So today we're going to open up to the book of Deuteronomy, and we're going to look at all of chapter 11 today. So if you have your Bibles, if you would go ahead and open them up to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 11, and we will dive into God's Word and see what it has to say. Moses is continuing his final sermon, his final thoughts to his people before they go into the promised land. He is not going to be able to go in there with them, and he's giving them instructions about what it means to be God's people as they go into the land, and the and wisdom that they need to take with them as they go into the land. And so in chapter 11, he's continuing those ideas, and in verse 1 of chapter 11, he says this, Therefore love the Lord your God and always keep his mandate, his statutes and ordinances and commands. Understand today that it is not your children who experienced or saw the discipline of the Lord your God, his greatness, strong hand, and outstretched arm, his signs and works he did in Egypt to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and to all of his land. What he did to Egypt's army, to its horses and chariots, when he made the water of the Red Sea flow over them and, pursue, and pursued you, and he destroyed them completely. What he did in the wilderness until he, <clears throat> you reached this place. And what he did to Dathan and Abiram and the sons of Eliab, the Reubenite, when the middle of the whole Israelite camp, the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them, their households, their tents, and every living thing with them. Your own eyes have seen every great work the Lord has done. Keep every command I'm giving you today so that you may have the strength to cross into, the, into and possess the land you are to inherit and so that you may live long in the land. You swore to your fathers to give them and their descendants a land flowing with milk and honey. For the land you are entering to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and irrigated by hand as in, as in a vegetable garden. But the land you're entering to possess is a land of mountains and valleys, watered by rain from the sky. It is a land the Lord your God cares for. He is always watching over it from the beginning to the end of the year. If you carefully obey my commands I am giving you today to love the Lord your God and worship him with all your heart and all your soul, I will provide rain for your land at the proper time, the autumn and spring rains, and you will harvest your grain, new wine, and fresh oil. I will provide grass in your fields for your livestock, and you will eat and be satisfied. Be careful that you are not enticed to turn aside, serve, and bow and worship to other gods. Then the Lord's anger would burn against you, and he will shut the sky, and there will be no rain. And the land will not yield its produce, and you will perish quickly from the good land the Lord is giving you. Imprint these words of mine on your heart and minds, and bind them as a sign on your hands, and let them be a symbol on your foreheads. Teach them to your children." talking about them when you sit on the house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the doorpost of your house and your city gates so that as long as the heavens are above the earth, your days and those of your children may be many in the land the Lord swore to give your fathers. For if you carefully observe every one of the commands I'm giving you to follow, to love the Lord your God, walk in his ways, and remain faithful to him, the Lord will drive out all the nations before you and you will drive out nations greater and stronger than you. Every place the sole of your foot treads will be yours. Your territory will extend from the wilderness to Lebanon and from the Euphrates River to the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you. The Lord your God will put fear and dread in all the land where, your foot, where you set your foot, as he promised you. Look today, I'm setting before you a blessing and a curse. There will be a blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord your God I am giving you today, and a curse if you do not obey the commands of the Lord your God and you turn aside from the path I command you today, 
by following other gods you have not known. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess, you are to proclaim the blessing at the Mount Gerizim and the curse at Mount Ebal. Are these mountains across the Jordan, beyond the western road, in the land of the Canaanites, who live in the Arabah, opposite Gilgah, near the Oaks of Morah? For you are about to cross the Jordan to enter and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you. When you possess it and settle it, be careful to follow all the statutes and ordinances I set before you today. <clears throat> Let's pray together. So Lord, we pray that this word that you have given us would be a light to our path that it would give us a way to go, a way that leads us towards you and not leads towards destruction. God, in your mercy and grace, would you send your spirit into our hearts and minds now that we might understand your word and obey your word and follow your word, that we would be people of your word. Help us to do that, Lord. Help us to remember that the main point of all the scriptures points to your son, Jesus. And so today we want to lift up the name of Jesus and glorify him. And as we lift up the name of Jesus, would Jesus, would you draw us deeper into relationship with the Father, that we might know him and follow him in all that we do. We thank you, Father, that you've given your Son, and that you all have spent, sent the Spirit to us to draw us into your presence. We thank you for your goodness and mercy. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So when you join a group any type of group, there is always some kind of commitment that is required. When you get married, the commitment you make is the vows that you take. You make promises to each other. If you play a sport and you're committed to that team, you're committed to going to practices and working out in the off-season, you're committed to the team goals and you're not going to wear a different color because you're committed to that team. If you want to be considered for a job, you commit to that job's requirements and, that, and the time commitments, and that employer in, uh, commits to you to, to pay you uh, a, a certain amount for your services. You're committed to each other. If you're a member of a, a local church, you're committed to a people, to a group of people, to commit and support and love and care for them and to join together in a, in a group mission to reach that community. Commitment takes time. Commitment takes effort. And God calls his people to be committed to him and committed to his mission. If you're a member here at Fellowship Baptist Church, then you have made some kind of commitment to the Lord and to these people. But each of us could grow in our commitment. Each of us could grow in our commitment both to the Lord and to each other. Now, some of us here need to be challenged to be more committed. Some of us need to be encouraged to take up new commitments. Some of us just need to understand, what does it mean? What does it really mean to be committed to the Lord and to his people? But either way, we need to develop a deeper commitment to the Lord and a deeper commitment to one another. And if you're taking notes today, there's a singular idea that I want to draw your attention to from this passage that I hope that you can start to apply to your life, and we as a church can start to apply to our community of believers. And that's this. Every Christian and the church as a whole must make it their goal to be committed to the Lord. Every Christian and the church, the body of Christ, it must be our purpose, our goal, to be committed to the Lord. 
Now today, how we're going to explain that is I'm going to talk about two ways that God helps us to be more committed, and then talk about three things about what commitment means. So let's start with that first idea. How does God make us more committed to him? How does God draw us into a deeper commitment with him? Well, we see that in verses 1 through 7. God shows us his character to make us more committed. God shows us who he is. God shows us his character to make us more committed to him. In these verses, Moses calls the people to be committed to him. He says, love the Lord your God and always keep his mandate. He calls on the people of God and reminds them to to follow God faithfully. And he does that by telling them once again of the great commitment that the Lord had made to them and and the, the acts of the Lord. He talks about how God freed the people with the mighty acts, how he, how he beat uh, Pharaoh for them. The people realized that, that God was a God who saves them, who can defeat any enemy that they have. And when we trust God, we'll be more committed to him. But we only trust him if we know his power, if we know his strength, if we know his goodness in every circumstance. Moses also mentions as they went through the wilderness And they saw God's acts of kindness, his his acts of provision. But they also saw his his acts of judgment against the unfaithfulness of the people. They learned that unfaithfulness brought a judgment, brought a discipline from the Lord, but that the Lord still provided mercy, still provided grace, and cared for the needs of the people, like when he brought manna from heaven. Moses then mentions Dathan and Abiram, which remind the people that God judged those who rebelled against him and rebelled against his messenger, as Dathan and Abiram did when they sought to remove Moses from his position of leadership. They learned that though God is merciful, he is also to be feared and respected. See, commitment to God must find its foundation in God the person. It needs to see God rightly as both a God who is merciful and saves and provides, and also as a God who disciplines and brings about judgment. If we forget who God is, or if we misunderstand who God is in a well-balanced way, we will not be committed to God. In fact, much of the deconstruction that we see going along, much of the walking away of the faith that we are seeing today, I think it comes from a misunderstanding of who God is. It is not a walking away from God, but it is a walking away from the caricature that they have been told about God. There are times when we've distorted God, sometimes to try to get people more committed. There are times when we soften who God is, right? We want people to be committed to him, and so we soften uh, some of the harsher statements in the Bible. We want him to feel like a benevolent father to people who's just happy that they will be around. There's no judgment. There's no hell. He's all kindness. He's he's never mean in any way. Sometimes we, to try to make people more committed, we bring up fear and we create new rules and and, um, create extra bondage on people. And so one group says there are no rules. Another group says there are a bunch of new rules. One group says you don't need to change anything about yourself. 
And another group says that you need to change every detail about yourself to fit a particular type of conviction. And both of these actually damage people and don't create a commitment to God that they're seeking. So the Bible tells us exactly enough about what it means to know God and to follow God. And we should not subtract from the Bible, nor should we add to the Bible. And Moses tells the people here that they are to think deeply about this God, that they are to remember him deeply. And that's why theology actually matters, that deep thinking and deep study on God creates a deeper commitment to God. Sometimes we think of theology as just a, a, something that to be done in an academic setting or in a seminary, when actually theology leads to a better worship of God, a deeper understanding of God creates a deeper commitment to God. A misunderstanding of God creates a false commitment to God. And so your commitment to God could be cheap. In other words, you're, it's cheap in that you're willing to follow God, but only on your schedule. You're willing to follow God, but only when it suits you. He gets the leftovers and not the first portion of your giving. Your commitment can be works-based. In other words, you think it's the right thing to do to be committed to God, but it, it is a, I do things for God, God must do things for me. I give him the best, he gives me health or an easy life or good finances. Your commitment to God could be weak, thinking that grace and mercy are always there and judgment will never come. And so you sin willingly and easily, breaking the law of God, and simply act like he won't see and he won't judge. And yet, when we see God as both the merciful Savior who defends his people and protects his people, but also the judge who disciplines his children and gives consequences for their lack of commitment, when we actually see God rightly, you will learn to both love God and fear God. You will learn to obey God and understand who he is. And so God, to try to draw us into a deeper commitment, reminds us here in these first few verses of who he is, what he's like, what his character is. And so we need to look deeply at that God. The second thing that God does to increase our commitment to him is that God fulfills his promise to us and puts us in a place where we are dependent upon him. To increase our commitment to him, God, one, fulfills his promise to us, but also he will put us in a place where we are dependent upon him. The land is very important to the people of Israel. It is the fulfillment of God's promise to his people. He had promised Abraham and Isaac and Jacob that he would make them a great nation and then take them into this land. And hundreds of years had gone by since that initial promise. But what we see is that God kept his promise. He fulfilled his word, and no power on earth and no power of heaven could keep the sovereign Lord of the universe from fulfilling his promises. If we remember that God is a promise-keeping God who has committed himself to our good, then we will start to become a promise-keeping people. When we realize that God kept his promises to us, we'll be motivated, we will be empowered to keep our commitments to him. 
And so therefore, we need weekly reminders of how God has kept His promises to us. That's why the gospel has to be preached every single week. And it needs to be remembered and brought to our minds every single day. Because we are prone to forget how committed God has been to us. We are prone to forget the the death and resurrection of Jesus in our place. We are prone to forget our salvation that comes to us by His grace and mercy and power. But when we do remember those things, when we bring those to mind, we are going to be more committed to Him. But not only does He fulfill His promise, He puts us in a place where we are dependent upon Him. See, Moses describes this land in, uh, in verses 8 through 12. And he talks about this land is different than the land of Egypt. He says the land of Egypt had this Nile River, but this land, and that's how it got fed water, but this land is going to be fed water differently. It's going to come from the rain. If it doesn't rain, the crops don't grow. The, the animals don't eat the grass, and the people will perish. So God has put them not only in a place where a land that fulfills a promise, but he's put them in a land where they have to be dependent upon God for their survival. If God doesn't send the rain, they don't survive. And he's very clear here that, that, <clears throat> that if they abandon him, if they forget him, if they worship other idols, the rains will dry up. And so God will put us in a place, he will put you in a place where you have to be dependent upon him. And he does this to increase our commitment to him. To say that God gives, never gives us more than we can handle is to say something that is not actually in the Bible. So God gives us more than we can handle all the time. And God does that actually for our good because when we have more than we can handle, We become dependent upon him. We become more committed to him. You know, I've spent a couple mission trips in Nicaragua, and Nicaragua is a very impoverished country. But what you see in the church in Nicaragua is a commitment to prayer. They don't have the finances that we have here. If they get into trouble at their church, if a roof gets a leak, they don't have the money to just fix those things. They have to pray. They are dependent upon God. They can't buy their way out of trouble. We can sometimes buy our way out of trouble. We can use our finances to take care of things. And so we sometimes lack the commitment to God that we need. A stressful situation, a difficult time, a hardship can actually strengthen your commitment to God. And God will sometimes take you through difficult valleys and difficult circumstances to increase your commitment to him. Because when you go through those valleys, when you go through those difficult times, God uh, calls on you to pray to him. And we cry out to him. And as we are praying to him, as we are crying out to him, as we are stretched and strained, our commitment to him grows. We are dependent upon him, committed to him. And so God will put you in a place to increase your commitment to him. But when you're in that place, he reminds you of his promises. See, it's in the darkest areas of our life, in the hardships, in the tough days, in the tough weeks, in the tough months, that he reminds us that he loves us. And he reminds us that Jesus came and provided for us, that the promise is still true, 
that the grave is still empty, that he has done enough to save his people. And he, through the blood of Jesus, through his death and resurrection on the cross, will take all those who trust and believe in him and bring them to be committed to him forever. He provided Jesus for our sins. He provided his life and death so we could be saved. Won't he keep every other promise he has made to us? And when we go through times where we must be dependent upon him, we remember his promises. So these are the ways that God increases our commitment to him. But what does that commitment actually look like? What does it look like to be committed to the Lord? Well, one of the things it is, is found in verses 13 through 21. Commitment to God is a wholehearted obedience. Notice it says, if you are careful to obey my commands I'm giving you today, to love the Lord your God and worship him with all your heart, with all your soul. Verse 18, imprint these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Bind them on your hands. Let them be a symbol in your foreheads. Teach them to your children. God tells his people that they are to have a wholehearted obedience to him. That's what commitment is. It is a wholehearted, from the gut, from the depth of who you are, obedience to him, and he will bless them. That we are not to have half-hearted obedience. We're not to be halfway in, halfway out. We're to be totally committed to him, to worship him alone. There are snares in our life and in this world that will rival our commitment to the Lord. See, there are all kinds of pleasures that, that come at us that promise a blessing. That promise if we would give up our commitment to the Lord and would follow these desires, the, these pleasures, that they would give us more than what the Lord would give us. And they would, in, in, in fact, draw us away from the Lord. See, God doesn't just want us to be commit, committed to Him on a Sunday morning. He wants a commitment to Him every day of our life. And so every day we must remember the goodness of God. And how do we do that? By imprinting these words of mine on our hearts, by injecting into our hearts, injecting to, into our gut the very word of God. See, wholehearted commitment comes when we are committed to the word of God, to embed it into our hearts. Don't, don't you find, as well as I, that when we are lackadaisical in our reading, when we read the word less, when we are <clears throat> too busy to read, that we, that we find it much easier to sin, much easier to lose our temper, much easier to break our commitment to the Lord. You probably find that as, as well. And so we must discipline ourselves in the Word. We need to read the Word. We need to study the Word. We need to do it privately, and we need to do it with others. We need to be people of the Word. And we also need to pass it down. Notice how it talks about passing it down to your children. That as we are committed to God, we are drawing others into that commitment. And that means we need to read the Bible to our children. We need to open the Bible with our grandchildren. We need to pray with them. We need to take those just moments of the day and change the tenor of the conversation to the Lord. We need to follow the Lord and draw them with us to follow the Lord as well. In other words, you can't be too busy to be 
to not pass down the Word of God to your children because He desires every generation to be committed to Him. And so to be committed to the Lord, make time for His Word in your life, make time for His Word in your family to develop that wholehearted obedience. Second thing that it means to be committed to God is commitment to God hopes in His blessing. Commitment to God hopes in His blessing. In verses 22 through 25, he says, For if you are careful to observe every one of these commands I'm giving you to follow, to love the Lord your God, walk in His ways, and remain faithful to Him, the Lord will drive out the nations before you. Moses tells the people, when they are committed to God, He brings a blessing to them. Those who, are, uh, who follow God receive a blessing. This doesn't mean that when we follow God, we get a heavenly currency that we get to somehow spend it on earthly possessions. We don't get to put God in our debt, but there is a blessing for those who follow the Lord. The hope of that blessing drives us to be committed to the Lord. See, we, we, we say, as the psalmist does in, in Psalm 84.10, better is a day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather stand in the threshold of the house of God than to live in the tents of wicked people. See, the blessing that we receive is a closer walk with the Lord. The more we're committed to Him, the closer, the closer our walk is with Him. The more we are on His path the more we know Him and are intimate with Him. And as we are commit to Him, He blesses us. And so as a church, if we want the blessings of God, then we must be committed to Him. As a church, it is, it is imperative that we are faithful to God. And we can't give up faithfulness to make people more comfortable. Comfort is temporary. Comfort is easy. It'll get us to the next day. But in the long run, faithfulness, faithfulness is where we must be. Comfort can be an idol. Faithfulness to God is worship. I know that there have been times where I have probably said things that have challenged you, that have even made you mad. But if I am preaching the Word of God, if, I am, if it is from the Scriptures, then for your good and for the glory of God, I continue to preach things that may upset you, that may challenge you. See, God does want to challenge us to walk more faithfully with Him. And so therefore, there's a blessing, a real blessing, a true blessing, when we are committed to the Lord. See, God's going to challenge us. God challenges us in our preferences, God challenges us in our false beliefs. God challenges our prejudices. He challenges what is popular in the culture. He challenges what is normative in the church. And he challenges it with his word so that his people will be more committed to him. So they will do what he calls them to do so that they will obey my commands I'm giving you today. That is what he wants us to do, to obey his commands that he's giving us today. So following the Lord being committed to the Lord brings a blessing. And finally, commitment is a daily choice. We see that in verse 26 and following. Moses challenges the people. Today I put two things before you, says, a blessing or a curse. Joshua, a few years later, will do the same thing when he says that 
Choose this day who you'll follow, but me and my house, we will follow the Lord. To increase your commitment to the Lord, you must make a daily choice to be committed to Him. No recommitment ceremony. No um, week-long youth trip is going to make up for the daily, normal, unexciting, but essential commitment that you must make every day to follow the Lord. Each day, each day, we have a, an ability, a choice to follow the Lord and to be faithful to Him. Even if we were unfaithful yesterday, we can make the, a new choice today where we can be faithful to Him today. Today is a different day. Today is a day to say yes to God and to no to sin, to say yes to Jesus and to say no to the world. And each day, God gives you fresh and new mercies, as Lamentations 3 tells us. He doesn't give you old mercies. It's like new manna from heaven every day. He doesn't give you leftover mercies. He hands you fresh mercies every day. And every day we get to say, yes, Lord, I will follow you. I will be faithful to you. I will turn from sin, and I will turn towards you. Now, I can't handle tomorrow. Tomorrow's got too much trouble. But today, today, I can be committed to you. Will you make the choice today to be committed to the Lord. Tomorrow is a different day. But today, will you choose once again to put off sin, to put on righteousness, and to follow your God, to run from yourself and run to Christ? Today, would you be willing to follow Him? Our choices have consequences. Each day you can choose the blessing of following Him or the curse of disobedience. Each day you must choose. Each day you must wake up and commit to him once again. Will you commit to him? And so we, as the church, we as the people of God must choose each day to increase our commitment to the Lord. See, God desires our commitment. And so he instructs us. He blesses us. And he puts us in a place where we must be dependent upon him. Commitment takes all of who we are. And, <clears throat> and commitment is a daily choice that we make. A daily choice where we put ourselves in God's hands and says, you Lord lead. You Lord are king. And when we do that, there is a tremendous blessing. A true blessing, a real blessing. So each day, each day as the people of God, let's commit to him. Each day, let's choose to follow him. So how will you commit to the Lord this week? Let's pray together. Lord, we know that our commitment to you sometimes is lacking. And we thank you that you have never lacked in your commitment to us. Lord, help us to be faithful, to understand what faithfulness looks like, and to be wholehearted, committed to you. Bring glory to your name on all that you do. Amen. I thank you all for coming and being a part of this fellowship today. May God bless you and keep you.